evening, guys. We're super excited to have you tonight and super excited to get in uh, 1 Corinthians. If you want to get your Bibles ready, we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 25. But before we begin, we wanted to uh, give you uh, just a quick update. Uh, things kind of going on around the world. Uh, as you know, I'm uh, going to be leading us in missions and in outreach. and uh, It's a team effort, no doubt. But hey, uh, one of the things that you probably saw on your, on your way in was uh, uh, something that we just printed out. Kevin helped and uh, made it, I think, came out real nice. It's a prayer guide for some of the most unreached areas without the gospel in the world an area called the 1040 window. You've probably heard something or know a little bit about it, but in your mind's eye, take, start right where it, where it starts, in the Middle East. And the Middle East, uh, all the stands, uh, Afghanistan, the stand stands, right? Uh, Iran is there, Northern Africa, right? And, and you're kind of, you know, hitting Morocco. You're, you're coming now. You're, you're going now towards Asia. You're, you're talking about India, where one-third of the unreached people groups live in India, and now you're going to China, right? You're, you're, you're headed now. You're, you're going uh, further east. And, I, and as you do that, you, you notice, wow, that there's so many people unreached in China. There's so many people unreached all the way, all the way to Japan. And, and what do we mean by that unreached? It means no access to the gospel. Not that they don't care, but simply there's just no one out there. There's no witness. There's no churches. There's very few Bibles in their languages. So a, a prayer guide for you guys and, and specific just ways that you guys can pray. Just stuff this in your Bible. We, we wanted to put faces, right? Faces that would attach you with, with these uh, countries. And, and uh, I, I encourage you to learn a little bit more and, and add that to your intercession time. Actually, also, if you're interested... We'd love to have you come out on Tuesday, Tuesday, after, Tuesday evenings from 6 to 7. We have an all-church prayer meeting. Love for you guys to join. The people that come, we're, we're just experiencing that just time in, in the Lord's presence and, and lifting up the nations, lifting up our communities, lifting up just things that are going on in each other's lives. And come out, you know, prayer warriors. I, I encourage you so much to just join that time. I, I'm always dragging my feet to get there, but I'm clicking my heels when, when I leave the place. I'm so encouraged, right? You, some of you guys are thinking about me clicking my heels. But if my people that are called by my name, right? If my people are called by my name, if they will just get together, they'll pray, they'll seek my face, that God would do amazing things and, and intervene on their behalf in their country. So guys, we want to lift up Myanmar. We want to lift up the Burmese people. There's so few Christians, and even of that, right, radically getting together and just saying, hey, we're just going to pray for our country. We're not going to criticize. We're not going to, you know, whatever is going on, right? We know where our power is. We know that we can pull down strongholds with these mighty weapons that God has given us, which is prayer. So we want to pray for that. Uh, so let's pray real quick tonight. God, we want to lift up Myanmar, Lord. We want to lift up uh, and, and intercede for all the injustices that are taking place, even now. Cut the genocide that's been going on for years and years. Lord, we pray that you would intervene and you would rescue and deliver the people, Lord. We pray, God, even especially now as they flee to these refugee countries, Lord, that as they are now going to these other countries, that, that the gospel, Lord, would be given to them. Lord, as the, as the church ran in the midst of persecution in the book of Acts, God, you allowed the gospel to spread. And so we pray for the same thing to be taking place in Asia now. 
God, that churches would be established, that disciples would be made at this time. And God, that all the needs and all the resources that are needed to sustain and to help these people, Lord, I pray, Father, for them and those that are being exploited, Lord, at this time, God, I pray for their rescue and deliverance. And Lord, that you would have mercy upon this area, God. And we, Lord, we, we take a, a page from the, the, the book of the Church of Myanmar, Lord, getting together and, and praying and praying for their nation and praying for their government, Lord. And God, we do want to do the same. Lord, pray for them. Lord, thank you for their testimony to us, their famous faith, Lord, like you, like Paul said of the Romans, that their faith is being spoken out throughout all the world, Lord, and, and God, so too with the, the, the Burmese church, and God, we want to lift them up, and we want to pray, Lord, for, for hearts like that, God, that care about our community, that care about our cities, that care about our, 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 our schools, and, and those that are running for offices, Lord, we want to intercede for them, God. We want to intercede for our nation, God. You told Ezekiel that there was no man that would stand in the gap for the nation. Lord, you were going to judge Israel and that you were just looking for a man that would intercede for them. And God, here we are, Lord. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for our nation here, our community, God, in the world, Lord. We don't know how much of America can be saved, but we pray you would radically save Americans at this time, God. That the churches that are being filled, Lord, that you would cause the gospel to go forward. And at this time, there would be such a great harvest in these last days, God. Empower your church, God. Cause us to be bold and effective witnesses in these last days. Thank you, God. We ask your blessing, Lord, as we get into the word tonight. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, thank you so much for coming out tonight. And we're going to get into 1 Corinthians now, starting in verse 25. And uh, it's really a section that, that Pastor Eric was, was sharing in, uh, uh, on this past Sunday, talking about how the Corinthian church, they just lifted up and exalted and just they loved the smooth speech of the debaters. They, they, they wanted someone. They didn't care what was necessarily being said. They didn't care about it if it was true. They just wanted something that, that, that would just make them feel good. Something to you know, maybe scratch their ego. Something that would just, you know, be so, uh, just a thrilling argument. Whatever is new. And you remember when Paul went to Athens, that was the case. This kind of Greek culture that they, they just wanted to hear something new and something relevant for the time. And hey... And guys, isn't the church in a similar place today? Constantly, right? We're, we're being flooded with what is new and what is latest. And there's an update every year. And, and there's, almost that tame, there's almost that temptation for us in the church and for us as believers to just kind of get rid of the old, throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? And what, what, what ends up going is the word of God. The word of God gets replaced, the gospel gets undermined, and instead it's skinny jeans, smoke screens, and big screens, right? <laughs> Whatever's latest and greatest, whatever appeals to us, whatever scratches that, you know, tickles the ear, like, we want that. But guys, it's not necessarily good, right? If, you, if your kids only ate what they wanted, what would they choose to eat? And after how long would that kind of diet just have just a horrible effect on their outcome, their... their their health. Guys, so the word of God, is it, that, that, that's good doctrine. That, that's what we need. The gospel, it's never going to be replaced. It's never going to be outdated. Why? Because it's eternal. 
The word of God was here before us. It's here after us. And maybe you're a skeptic here today. You don't care about Jesus. You don't care about the word of God. Well, let's see if they're still talking about you 2,000 years after you're gone. They're still talking about Jesus. We're still reading the same book. Never been edited, never been changed. It's still relevant for our time. We don't need a great speaker for it to be anointed. The word of God is anointed in itself. And so tonight, right, we we come to this section where Paul's really arguing against the wisdom of the world and for the wisdom and power of the cross. He's, 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 He's kind of not adopting the Corinthian culture and and the wisdom. And he's stepping back from that and he's saying, no, there's something altogether different and there's something better and it's the gospel. And so he kind of steals their words and and he kind of adapts it. He's a preacher, man. He takes what they got and he's going to use it against them. So he's talking about the wisdom of God. And so we've broken up our section into three parts. Number one, the power and wisdom of the cross. Number two, the wisdom that is given to us by the Holy Spirit. And number three, that that wisdom is not granted towards an unbeliever. All right, so, so, so as we begin, verse 25, he says, Because the foolishness, the, foolishness, the, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, Not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Paul starts and he begins and he says, see your calling. Some of your translations might say, consider your calling. What what, what calling is he talking about? This calling was one of like the most played songs on on Paul's album. Right? Every single one of his epistles pretty much talk about this calling, the hope of your calling, that Christians would know this great and awesome calling. So what is the calling? The word calling, it means invitation by God to salvation. He, he called you and I. And what does that mean? Paul is saying, remember when God invited you to be part of his kingdom. Remember when he called out to you, When you heard the shepherd's voice and you came and he called you, he he wanted you to be a part of his family. Remember your calling. Verse 24, go back to that. He says, but to those who are called, same word, those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, so it includes everyone. To those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So remember your calling. You were called. And when God called you, what was he looking at? What was he? It wasn't us, guys. Right? It it wasn't us. It it, it had nothing depending upon our brains, our bronze, or our birth. It had nothing to do with that. Notice it says, he says, that not many mighty among us, not many, uh, sorry, not many wise not many mighty, not many noble. That word noble, it means of high birth or of high caste, right? High society. He says not, not many were, were of those. The, the, God's saying, right, the people that I call, the people that come and the people that I invite, right, they're not necessarily the greatest among the world. 
Notice he doesn't say not any, right? Because we know some, right? Paul was one of the many. He, he, he was one of those, right? He was, he was of Tarsus. He was educated. He, but he's saying not many. And guys, why does God do this? Why does God choose to do this? Why does he call anyone? Well, it's really, it's really uh, similar to the parable that Jesus spoke in Matthew 20, chapter 22. Remember, the, the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. Right, and that, the, and that the king was going out and inviting people and, and people were saying, ah, I really don't got time to go to that. Ah, I got something else. I got something better to do. And finally, the guy's like, hey, I want you to hit the highways and the byways and whoever's there, pull them out of the gutter. Say, hey, you want to come to the wedding? Yeah, you'll come. All right, let's go. You're invited. <laughs> I'm calling you. I'm inviting you. Anyone that would come and that you and I were part of that is amazing. Remember your calling. And notice this, our calling was an invitation to come into the kingdom of God. What a gracious and awesome calling that is. To be now citizens of an altogether different people. Just to be part of what God is doing here on this earth. To be his body. Called into that. Now set apart. Now different. Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing that the things of are. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So why then? Why does God choose, right? The, why does God choose like he does? And it's for this simple reason. To make all the earth on the same level playing field. That the power and the wisdom of the cross is this. That anyone can come. Anybody can come. I liked how we, we were thinking about on Sunday. I'm glad that God didn't make it difficult. He didn't, you know, provide all these hoops and all these walls and all these things and all these steps that you had to do to come. Literally, you were just invited and you said yes. Anybody could do that, right? Anybody. Jesus said, anyone that is thirsty, come to me and drink. You want to come to Jesus? Are you thirsty? Come. Anybody can drink. Anybody can come. Anyone can answer that call, but not all will, guys. Everybody sins, but not all will repent of their sin and to ask God for salvation. So why does God choose to, 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 uh, to call such people like us, the, 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 the not many's, right? Why does God choose to, to, to pick us so that all the earth could come to him. That everyone would be on the same playing field. Everyone would be at the same level ground before the cross. One common level. And notice he says that, 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 that God was going to put to shame. He was going uh, to bring those things down. He, so in the world's eyes, the people that had the, the might and had the wisdom and had all... What, God, what, the, what the gospel essentially says is, yeah, none of that is going to save you. None of that is going to be good enough to get you into the kingdom of God. So what does it do? It shames it. 
Now, those people that probably wouldn't have come because they're on that kind of ego, like hill or whatever, right? I don't, now they have to come down. And that's what he's saying. In verse, uh, verse, verse 28, and the base things of the world and, and the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Verse 30, but, but of him you are in Christ who became for us wisdom from God and redemption, oh, sorry, wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. So that nobody, right, God, God, remember your calling, that it was to come into his kingdom, that anybody could come and that nobody would be able to boast in God's presence. No one would be able to stand up on, in, in, when we're in heaven and say, you know, who I am and how I got here. No one's going to do that. Everyone's going to have the same testimony. I was just, I was invited and I came. Jesus called me and I answered. And that's how, that, that's how I'm here today. And guys, if Jesus is calling you today, I, I, I pray that you would hear his voice and that you would respond. God is calling so many people. He's inviting so many people at this time. And it seems like for whatever reason, for the first time, people are listening. Whatever they had their hopes, whatever they were clinging, uh, glasp, clasping onto, those things have been kind of removed. There's kind of been a, a lowering, in a sense, in a lot of our lives. And finally, people are saying, hey, you know, after COVID's done, I want to get a haircut and I want to go to church, right? Like, like that was a thing, guys. Two things that were being sold, alcohol and Bibles. Like, how is that possible? A friend of mine works for the suicide hotline in a very big county. They said they have 14,000 unanswered calls a day. People are seeking, guys, right now. They are seeking and so Paul's going to talk a little bit more, starting in chapter 2, that now we need to go forward now with the message. And what's the message? Christ and him crucified. So chapter 2, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know uh, to no, not know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So Paul says, I, you remember when I came to you. Now, there's a story that matches this. that the, the Corinthians would have remembered. Man, when Paul came to this city and he started sharing the gospel, how much? And, and you can find it there in Acts chapter 18. Paul comes to the city of Corinth and it's this great large city. They said that Athens had seen its past glory days, but Corinth was something that was like just, just a supreme, it, it had such a, a banking system, it was the center of sports, it was the center of idolatry, it was the center of trading, it had everything going on. And Paul kind of had his eyes set on that city. But if you remember, Paul got there because he was chased out of maybe five or six cities before that. The Jews were chasing him out of each and every city. And finally, he comes to Corinth. 
He goes into the synagogue, has some success sharing the gospel there. But then eventually they mocked him, they scoffed him. Some believed. And Paul said, you know what? We're out of the synagogue now. And he goes literally next door and that's where the church starts. The word in the Greek is like they shared a wall together. Can you imagine? That's where the church plant was, right next door to the synagogue. And it says that at night, Jesus came to Paul in a vision and said, don't be silent, but speak. Something was going on in Paul's heart. Something was going on. Maybe, maybe Paul realizes, man, this is the time where it's time to run. Maybe those guys are going to catch up. Maybe things are going to pop off because we literally planted next door to the synagogue. It was volatile. Literally, they were in the story. They go on and they, and they start beating one of the Christians. Like whatever's going on in Paul's heart, he needed the Lord to encourage him. And the Lord said in that vision, I have many in this city. Keep speaking. Don't be silent. So Paul says, you remember what it was like when I came to you. And whatever you think about Paul, man, maybe we got to, maybe we got to check the record. Paul didn't have an infomercial face. He kind of had a face for radio, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> he, he came and he didn't have this excellent speech. He wasn't a smooth, slick talker. The, the historic history record says he kind of maybe even stuttered, maybe kind of had like a, like a, like a, like a squint about him, short. He wasn't this impressive specimen, guys. And he says, when I came to you, what was I doing? I was declaring to you the testimony of God. Now, that wording, testimony of God, literally means it's God's testimony. So when we're preaching the gospel, when Paul preached the gospel, what was he doing? He was telling God's story. Guys, we don't have to overthink it sometimes. Sometimes it's literally that simple. Who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That God came to man to take man back to God. That's his story, his love story. Tell it, proclaim it. This is his story, his testimony. And, and, and Paul felt a deep conviction. He says, I declare to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. I'm not changing God's testimony, guys. I'm not going to try to, you know, sprinkle it and salt and pepper it and kind of change it and kind of... I'm not going to do that, he's saying. Why? Because it's his story. What's his story? What's, what's God's testimony? It's Christ and him crucified. Guys, and today there's a little bit of a persuasion, or I don't know, persuasion. There, there, there's a little bit of a temptation today, right? Where we're at to kind of shrink back from telling the truth, from, from, from telling the truth in love and to sharing the gospel with our friends, our family, our coworkers. There are competing philosophies even today like there were for the Apostle Paul. And what are these philosophies telling us? All roads lead to God. Whatever, you, whatever makes you happy, then do it. No one can really know about heaven and it's all kind of relative anyways. And Satan is behind these things, guys. The wisdom of this age, the wisdom that Paul was facing... It's the same what James chapter 3 says. It's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 says that these philosophies are an attempt to pull you away from Christ. 
And we're constantly being fed philosophies, constantly being fed different ideologies, different worldviews. They're literally on our streaming. We're literally swiping them up. Things are being put in before you. Guys, and we're never going to, we never should take those things instead of the word of God. The word of God hasn't changed one bit. Our culture is changing. It's in the midst of a change. The word of God has remained steadfast in the midst of that change, by the way. So, Paul says, I'm not changing. I'm declaring to you Christ and him crucified. But Paul was scared, by the way. Verse 3, I was with you in much fear and weakness and in trembling. Literally, the word trembling, he says, I had anxiety speaking to you guys. Now, does that, does that comfort anybody? <laughs> All right, after this, we're going to have an evangelism meeting out in the street. You know, like, right? Like, even, maybe even sometimes the thought of kind of going out, sharing your faith, kind of sharing a little bit. Maybe, maybe that's scary to you. Maybe, maybe you stepping out and sharing with your grandkids, your, your kid. Sometimes that's intimidating to us. But here's comfort, guys. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work in you. Notice this. He says, verse 4, My speech and preaching were not in persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul says, when I was preaching to you, I determined that I was going to stick to the script. I was going to stick to Christ and him crucified. I was going to stick to the gospel, God's story. I wasn't going to change it. I wasn't going to adopt whatever was being thrown at me. No, every thought that came about, I, I took that thing captive and I said, no, I'm sticking to what... These things say what the word of God tells me to say. And what happened as he did that, as he determined to do that, the spirit of God spoke powerfully through that guy. And guys, the very fact that there is a church in Corinth is demonstration of the power and of the spirit of God. Guys, God wants to give us that same power. All we have to do is make ourselves available and ask How will you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How will you experience that empowering for ministry when you say, God, use me, and you take that step forward to open your mouth, to be a witness in your life, to be a witness with your words? Guys, I've seen it. I was 18 years old, 20 years old, 21 years old, thrown out to the mission field, had no idea what I was doing, and literally God was giving me the power each and every day, guys. Guys, God did a work in just seven years that I can't even, well, Paul says it best, power and spirit. It was a God work. And God wants to do the same thing in your life. If If you would open yourself to being used by him, he wants to use you powerfully to take the gospel. The same invitation that you received one day, freely you were given, right? Man, we gotta pass that grace on. Because we're so filled up with that love, that grace, that we're now we're compelled. I want to share that. I want to take that to somebody else. And guys, don't feel intimidated. It's his message. It's his power. You're his instrument. Weak, fearful, trembling. God wants to use you. Search your Bible, guys. God uses plenty of people like us. The reject, the foolish. Literally the word foolish here, it's morons. God uses morons like me. 
I wouldn't have chosen me. You say, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I wouldn't have chosen you. I'm just joking, right? Like, God desires to use us to do his ministry here, to reach our family, our neighbors, and the nations. Amen? Let's continue now. No one could put their faith in Paul. No one could put their faith in his words, by the way. Why? Because it was clear. God was doing something bigger. The power of your faith is what you put your faith in, guys. If our faith is in God, then that's a strong and powerful faith. These people had put their faith and trust solely in God, solely in the gospel. So, verse 6, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. The, the word mature, it means those who are able to apprehend divine things. Okay? <laughs> what does that mean? All right. Literally, he's saying, we are speaking to those that have the ability to understand spiritual things. So a believer, right? Verse 6, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained, ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for they, uh, for they had, uh, for, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Okay, so he's saying, we, we speak now, a different wisdom. We speak an eternal wisdom. Notice it says in verse uh, 7, we speak wisdom of God in a mystery that was hidden. Wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Now what's this wisdom? What, what? It's the gospel, guys. He says, we are speaking now of this gospel truth that results, notice it says, for our glory. The gospel ends in glory, guys. That is the hope that we have. Not only in this life, yes, this life here and now, it gets awesome with Jesus at your side. When God's in the boat, I can handle anything, right? That's pretty awesome. But guys, now going forward and going onward, we rejoice in that great hope that we have in the glory of God. That one day, this train stops in glory. That the result of our faith in Christ is that one day we will stand face to face with Jesus. And in standing in God's glory, the Bible says we will be made like him. Could you imagine? For a moment, right, when you leave this earth, stepping into God's glory and in a moment being translated, transformed into the same glory. That's our hope, guys. John says we don't know what we're going to look like when we're there, but we're going to look like him. I love that. I love that. Guys, this is part of the inheritance of the gospel, which you and I get by being his sons and daughters. Glorious promise to you. How amazing. So, but that's contrast, right? This plan of God, this hidden mystery, which was planned before the foundation of the earth. God had the plan. He was going to send Jesus. He was going to die on the cross for our The whole gospel, that was already established before the world was created, God already had that plan, guys. So this great and awesome gospel, it's so contrary now to the wisdom of this age. 
the wisdom of this age. Guys, why do we not want to buy into these philosophies, these, these thoughts, these, these theories? The, why do we not want to replace those things? You know, take, take, take the place of the over the word of God? Because notice the end of those things, by the way. He's saying that the wisdom of this age, right? Those people, those, those, those uh, the wise of this age, the rulers of this age, they are going to come to nothing. That word literally means they will be destroyed. So whatever is being spouted, whatever is being broadcasted, whatever is, we want to take those things with a grain of salt. We want to eat the meat, spit out the bones. Why? Because we know the end of those things. If they rejected Jesus, their end is not a good end. They're headed towards destruction. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that path, where does it lead? Death, destruction. He says, those people are coming to nothing. And notice he says, if they had known the wisdom of God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So their willful ignorance, their rejection of Jesus, has ultimately led what? To them committing the sin of crucifying Jesus. So, he says, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. First time, by the way, that Paul says this phrase, Lord of glory. The only time in the New Testament, he is the Lord of glory. And he takes his people to share that glory. Amen? I love that. So he goes on, verse 9. We're running. but We only have 45 minutes left. Uh, verse, verse 9. Just joking. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now this, this quotation, right, was given to God's people when they were sitting in Babylon. They were sitting in Babylon and the prophet came and said, hey, one day God has a hope, God has a plan. Man has not seen, ear has not heard. So this isn't talking about uh, he's going he's gonna to elaborate on this. What this. Why does Paul choose to use this quote here? What are, the, what are those great things that God has pre- prepared? Is it heaven or is it here and now? So he's going to say in verse 10, it's the here and now. But God has revealed those things. Those things which no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Those things that God has prepared. Those great, good, and awesome things that God has planned. Those things, verse 10, God has revealed to them. Uh, revealed them to us through his spirit. Through his spirit. So God now has revealed those things to us. God has revealed glimpses of glory. God has revealed to us spiritual truth. And so Paul's now going to explain that. It's been done by the spirit, by his spirit. Verse 10, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what... For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have, rec- now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of, of spirit whom is from God. That we might know the things that have freely uh, been... Ha- be- 
have been freely given to us by God. These things we speak, uh, we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teach, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. So we read from verse 10 down to verse 13. In a passage that is so deep, guys, this goes along with the John 14s, the John 16s, like these great chapters concerning the Holy Spirit. I I encourage you to do some further study on this passage. But we'll point out simply three things that Paul just said that the Spirit now does for us. Three things the Spirit now does for us. Number one, it says, number one, he says, in verse 10, God has revealed, revealed. God reveals to us all things. God reveals to us. Literally like those things, like Paul says, that were a mystery. Things that were kind of unknown in the Old Testament. How quite it was going to come about. The Holy Spirit now for us, his church, has now revealed those things to us. Taken off the veil that we might know. Revealed to us what? Revealed to us God's plan, revealed to us his will, revealed to us great promises, revealed to us the God. so much God has revealed, revealed to us all things. So God has revealed to us how? By his spirit. So guys, we want to practice a daily relationship with the Holy Spirit, guys. A daily relationship where we come to God in our morning time, in our nighttime, whatever, our study time, whatever time you got to invest time in God's word and allow God to speak to you through his Holy Spirit to reveal to you truth. Guys, God is going to reveal to you spiritual truth by the Holy Spirit. Notice he says, he's revealed to us. Now, verse 10, for the Spirit has searches all things. That's number two, searches all things. The word search, it means examined into. So the Holy Spirit is, 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 is he, notice he's a person that has examined all things. Notice it says, yes, even the deep things of God. That word deep, it's like the unscrutable, unending things of God. These great and huge things, right? These, these eternal truths, this, the things about God, the Holy Spirit knows those things. The Holy Spirit, how does he know these things? It goes further on. Um, For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of a man which is in him. So he's using an analogy saying only a man can tell you what's going on inside that man, right? Like only that man truly knows what's going on in his heart, in his mind. Who else knows God? God knows us. But notice it says, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. This is a great proof text that supports the deity of the Holy Spirit. He is omniscient. The word means he knows all things. Literally, it says he's examined, he's searched into all things. So the Holy Spirit is fully capable of teaching us all things, revealing to us all things. And he's going to go on. Uh, verse 12, for we, have re- uh, for we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us. So part of the Holy Spirit's ministry to us 
is revealing to us the grace of God. He says reveal, that, that we might know the things which have freely been given to us. Now, guys, you have a lot in Christ. Amen? You have so much. Ephesians 1 says we've been given all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And so what we are doing is we are step by step growing in our knowledge and in the grace of God. And the Holy Spirit is coming alongside you and teaching you and wanting to take you deeper into those things. Wanting to give you a greater understanding, wanting you to grow in grace, wanting to grow in you in your walk with God. I love it how 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we are being transformed. We're beholding God. We're, we're spending time with God. And literally, we're being transformed from glory to glory, from one measure of glory to the next. Literally, we are growing deeper and deeper in our relationship, in our Christianity with God. Guys, I want, I, my prayer for you is that you would be so, so satisfied with God, so satisfied in Christ, so satisfied in the word that you would need not look anywhere else that we would be able to say, man, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That we would come to that place being so filled, being so satisfied with the things of the Lord, the things of Jesus, ministering, serving the Lord, praying, whatever God has for my life. I want to be so satisfied in those things that I don't have to go back to the world. Guys, that's ultimately the greatest way to conquer sin, by the way. Your great passion for Jesus is going to overrule the passion for anything else. Anything else. Like my love for my wife, it, it, it's so great that I don't have to check nobody else out. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how it is with Jesus. You're so filled. You're so saturated. You're so satisfied. I'm not going anywhere else. Where else are we going to go, Lord? You, you, you alone have the words of eternal life. So we're here and we're staying here. God, you know my needs. You're going to take care of me. I'm not going to run, try to do my own thing. You got me, Lord. So, concluding now, verse 13. Pastor says concluding when he's running late on time. All right, verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words of man's wisdom, uh, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. So another, another thing that the Holy Spirit does, he teaches us, reveals to us, examines all things, and he teaches us, guys. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. The word it says that the Holy Spirit is able to compare spiritual things with spiritual things. Literally, the word means he's, he's, he's causing you to be able to discern. Your relationship with, with God Ultimately, later on in life, you're going to be able to make wise decisions, right? You're being so transformed by God's word and the Holy Spirit that now when you come to a fork in the road, now you're going to be able to discern spiritual things and spiritual things. You're going to be like, man, that looks good. I, you know, like we're, God is training us. God is, God is teaching us now to walk with him. He says God is able to do those things of uh, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Literally, the word means he is our expositor. I like that. The Holy Spirit explains. He teaches us these things. So to wrap things up, verse 14, he's going to say now that that wisdom, it's not given to the unbeliever. 
that great and awesome privilege that we have with the Holy Spirit that teaches, reveals, examines, does a work in us, does a work through us, that doesn't happen if you're an unbeliever, guys. And he says it here in verse 14, but the natural man, natural, unbeliever, he does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we, notice this, we have the mind of Christ. So a comparison now, the spiritual man, we've been talking about you and I as the church, the invited, the called, the bride of Christ, having the Holy Spirit, knowing truth. The unbeliever is not in that camp, guys. Literally, he's disconnected to the life, the spirit, and the power of God. He's not born again. The light's not on. God told Adam, when you sin, when you eat of that fruit, you shall surely die. Now, what happened? Adam didn't drop dead. What happened? His spirit died in him. So every descendant of Adam since him has been born dead in the spirit, guys. And it's only a matter of time, guys. Only a matter of time until that person hears the call of God. Isn't that amazing that God can call the dead to life? When Jesus steps into the the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forward. If Jesus didn't say Lazarus' name, the whole tomb would have been cleared out that day. Come forth, every right? God calls the dead to life. Guys, maybe you're here today and it's going over. That's an indicator, guys. The check engine light's going off, guys. You need Christ. You need Christ. And maybe you got a lot of questions. That's okay. The Holy Spirit's going to teach you. But it starts with what you do about the gospel. What you do with Christ and him crucified whether you believe and you receive that and you ask God to come into your life or you don't and you remain in darkness. Why do people stay in darkness, by the way? It's because they love darkness rather than light. They'd rather not admit, confess of their sin. Guys, come to Jesus. He's better than anything else that this world has to offer. He's better than anything that you're trying to satisfy yourself with. Come to Jesus. It's, it's from, from one sinner that was saved to another sinner, right? He's, he's changed my life. I have a personal relationship with him. There's no way I'd rather go back on that, guys. So if you're here tonight, we'd love to pray with you and encourage you. All right? Let, let's pray. God, thank you so much for just this night, Lord. And God, even tonight, we, we understand, Lord, from your word, that when we ask you to speak to us, that that's a, that, that's, that's a truth, that's a promise in your word, that you, Holy Spirit, you do speak to your people. God, help us to be a people, Lord, that are seeking to hear from you, Lord. Lord, like you're our best friend, like you're our spouse, like you're, you're the person we can't get enough of, Jesus. We want you to speak into our life, Lord. We want to turn to your word, Lord. I pray tonight that you would relight a desire, 
a hunger and thirst in us for righteousness. God, give us that desire, Lord, that, our, that tonight our hearts would cry out and thirst for the living God. God, I pray that we would seek you, God, tonight. Seek you for the rest of the days of our life, Lord. And tonight, if you're in that camp like we talked about, dead in your sins, haven't come to the Lord yet, I encourage you, make that step of faith towards Christ today. Once you come to him, the light goes on. Your life now has purpose and meaning in God's kingdom. But it all starts with receiving forgiveness of your sins today. If you don't know where you'd go if you died tonight, if you don't know if you'd spend eternity in heaven or hell, guys, you can, you can make a profession of faith today. And if you mean it in your heart, guys, you can know with certainty that God will come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and when you die and you leave this earth, that you'll be with him in paradise. You'll be with him in heaven forever. If that's you, if, if anyone's here tonight, if you're watching online, if that's you, I ask you just to stand. The Bible says that we stand because we're just making a, we're making a step of faith towards God. If that's you, stand, guys. We'd love to pray with you. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? We want to give this opportunity. We want to give the same invitation that we received. Anybody else, please stand. Amen. All right, I'm going to lead you guys in a short and simple prayer. Guys, and uh, I pray that, um, that, that, that you would be able to pray this <laughs> and you'd mean it in your heart and that God would begin to do a great work in your life. So, so repeat this prayer quietly in your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for inviting me today, for calling my name, for dying on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I pray that you would forgive me. You'd wash me. And I could be part of your family today. Help me now to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You that pray that...